Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. We're going to speak to Gary Belcher about just how incredible Origin Decider was last night. And tell me why I'm wrong is back. one ฮึนเดย์เวลคัมแบ็กทูเดอะสปอร์ติงแคปิตอลอ่ะเวอร์ยินดีเวลคัมแบ็กทูเดอะสปอร์ติงแคปิตอลอ่ะเวอร์ย
runs over half the length of the field to put one away in the corner and to put the game to bed. Um, yeah, that was a special, special origin. Um, that's for sure. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Uh, the teams are in. We've gone through those um, at a time when COVID is starting to wreak havoc uh, again. And uh, if you weren't aware that, um, yeah, there's been a fair few changes from a lot of teams that have been uh, caused uh, due to COVID. So just having a look through the teams for tomorrow night. Uh, we won't go through all the teams uh, again just now, but even for tomorrow night's game between. Western Bulldogs and St Kilda. Josh Shackey and Lockie Hunter are out due to COVID protocols. And so too are Marcus Windhager for St Kilda and Seb Ross for the Saints as well. So, um, yeah, we, if we thought we'd seen the back of COVID, um, we've, we're, you know, we're being given uh, a stark reminder that that's not the case. Um, and, of course, on a day where the AFL lifted uh, or got into line with the state government's um, vaccination mandates, so... Uh, that will allow a couple of AFLW players, including George Patrikios, to come back and play uh, AFLW Season 7. Um, and what that might mean for Liam Jones, who decided not to be vaccinated, um, is to step away from the Carlton Footy Club. Um, Michael Voss was actually asked today about whether Carlton would be interested in having Liam Jones return, uh, given that he could, given he retired, he's going to have to wait to come back uh, onto an AFL list for next season. Michael Voss, the, current, uh, the Carlton coach, was asked about Liam Jones. No, I think, um, you know, as a, as a club, we've, we've there's been obviously some choices made that Liam made. Um, you know, we're obviously ha- happy to facilitate that choice based on the parameters that were there. And mm. I think as a footy club at some stage, you know, you sort of got to move on. And, um, and, and you know, as unfortunate it is, we'd like like to Liam to still be with us. But, um, you know, that's just not going to be possible. I think as a footy club, we move on. Is Liam Jones still on your radar? There we go. So uh, that was Michael Voss on Sports Day, uh, basically closing the door on Liam Jones coming back to Carlton. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I'm going to play you as well in a little bit. Um, all and sundry. Just about every coach that's spoken in the last couple of days has been asked about Buddy Franklin and whether they'd be interested in having him on their list. And the CEO of the Swans, Tom Harley, was on with Gerard Whateley earlier today. So I'm going to play you a portion of that too. But uh, this is one of my favourite segments that we get to do now that Thursday nights uh, are back for the Sporting Capital. Um, a little one I like to call, uh, tell me why I'm wrong. And uh, just as I look down, just as I look down uh, at, my, uh, at my desk here, somebody has taken my opener. So we, we will have to just uh, go in cold. So the someone's someone's taken my opener. How disappointing is that for all the build up? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Not that you even know what my uh, tell me why I'm wrong uh, is for this week. In fact, uh, as I just uh, work uh, to get this back up, um, I'll give you the scores again. Um, no, it's not going to let me do that. Uh, right. Well, isn't this just brilliant? Um, Brilliant, brilliant radio. Anyway, we've got to move on from that. We can't do it. We are going to do Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. All right, so tell me why I'm wrong for this week. I'm going to take a position on something. I might not. It might not be necessarily what I believe and what I agree in, but I'm going to take a position on something, and I want you to call in and tell me why I'm wrong. So you've got to come with your arguments. We've got to talk about this like it's – take to this like it's a court of law. So if you're going to object, have your objection sorted. Tell me why. Don't just say you're an idiot, you're wrong. You can say that if you want. Um, 
often my gripe is that when we get feedback to some of our opinions and ideas that um, there's no counter argument, there's just the abuse to say that you got it wrong. So you've got to tell me why I'm wrong. So this all came about because I was uh, listening to Kane Corns of recent times, but also too because I was speaking to a mate of mine who for the first time in his life bought shares, uh, became a shareholder, um, and as part of getting those shares in a company that had apparently just merged, he got a report, um, uh, a shareholder's report. Um, the company had merged and he was able to access a full report that included executive wages, departmental spend, essentially how much this company was paying its people. Um, he was able to access that because he was a shareholder and, and because of the merge, they wanted full transparency of the details around it. They did a full audit of how the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. Uh, quite regularly, companies conduct top to bottom audits of their business. That information is made available to shareholders because shareholders are putting the money in to the company. So they do have a right to know how it's being spent because they have voting rights uh, within that company. Um, with that in mind, I think that it's time that AFL clubs make their salary cap spend and by extension, the salaries they are paying the players available to the members. Now, the members are a lot like shareholders. They put their money in, they've got voting rights, they don't get a financial return. Their return is an emotional one. It's an experiential one. It's the feeling of belonging to something and being a part of something, um, something bigger. But for many, it's no less valuable than the return of the financial nature. This is more than just money for people, but they invest and they get a return uh, as a football club member. Now, members vote on boards. Boards then appoint coaches, CEOs, footy directors, and those people then appoint list managers and recruiters. So the CEOs, the football directors, and the list managers put the playing list together and they decide who gets what and how much they get paid and how they distribute the money in the salary cap. So if you work that back, the members deserve to know who's getting paid what to determine whether the board, who they voted in, have made the right decision on the people that they have installed to make those decisions and to have them be accountable for those decisions. So I've said many times that I think the list manager role is now the second most important role behind the coach. And I think by the time that we get to the 19th and the 20th teams that might be on the horizon, it will be equally as important as the coach. We speak about this more and more, about how teams manage their list, put their list together, how they spend their money, how they retain their list is just as important as how the team is coached. So we measure coaches on wins and losses and how they're developing a team. What do we measure list managers on? And by extension, the footy boss. So who do we have playing for us and how much are we paying them? Why are we paying for players who might not be on our list anymore? And these are some of the questions you ask. These are some of the things that we judge the list managers on. But it's very hard to judge someone if you don't have all the information. So, for example, if you're a Sydney Swans member and you, your team's just come to the end of the second longest and most expensive contract ever awarded, I reckon you've got the right to know how much you're now going to pay to keep Buddy Franklin there, especially given the healthy crop of young talent, which is growing nicely and not wanting to probably lose many, if any, of those players. So I don't particularly care about knowing what a player gets paid. Personally, it's not really any of my business. But I could mount a case that given that 80% roughly, of what the players get paid comes from the broadcaster's contribution to the game. That they too, as the biggest investor in the game, could say that we're entitled to knowing where that money's going, but it's not about that. And we'd never ask it for that. But it is about getting the reporting right. 
to form and deliver educated and informed opinions on how clubs are managing their list and their salary caps when we're providing commentary on the game, the players and the clubs and how they're run. So I understand why players don't want it. I totally understand why they don't want it. But I've never, ever heard anyone bag a player for getting a good payday. We say good luck, we say well done, and we certainly say well done to the manager who was able to uh, negotiate that deal because your time in the game is limited. The average career is about four to five years. Sometimes you do hear the phrase, for a player to be on that money and only giving that effort on the field or doing what they did off the field, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we have those, we, we, we hear those phrases mentioned. But the fact is that we already have those phrases being mentioned. So what's the difference? This would provide clarity and it would provide balance. Sadly, there will be the tabloid element, but let's face it, there already is. And I would imagine internally people say, well, players shouldn't know what other players are on, but they do. And if they don't, then they've got an idea. And sometimes that idea might not be correct. And that could lead to trouble internally. But first and foremost, this is about transparency to the most important people in the game. It's the members and the fans, but the members who pay up and just like shareholders, they have a vote. And if they're voting on things, they need to have all the information to make the right vote or to make an informed vote. So it has been happening for years now in other sports and it hasn't been an issue. It hasn't changed a thing, except what it has changed is the accuracy of the reporting and a better understanding for people when they're doing analysis of clubs and how they're run. So all the things that the players don't like about it, and I get it, they're already happening. And I would argue that it does more damage to, re- to be reporting incorrectly on what players are getting paid than it does to report correctly on what the players are getting paid. So one 736 I'm arguing that it's time for players' salaries to be made public, first and foremost, to shareholders. But you can mount the argument that it could go further than that. And if, the, and if your argument is, well, it, but then it'd leak, well, it already leaks anyway. So one 736 736 Tell me why I'm wrong. It's time that we know what the players are paying. Not because we want to know how much they earn, but we want to know how the clubs are spending their money. one 736 736 on the Sporting Capital. Tell me why I'm wrong. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Well, I always say that you co-host this show, so I was going to uh, go to our chat with Gary Belcher, but I'm just going to save that for a moment because you've continued to call in and want to have your say, and who am I to deny you of that? Tell me why I'm wrong. It's still rolling. Roscoe's in North Bourne. G'day, Roscoe. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, buddy. Tell me why I'm wrong. That's all right. Oh, look, I'll start off the same. Personally, I don't believe you're wrong. Um, yeah, I think it should be public knowledge. I mean, all across the world, American sports, NBA, NFL, uh, in Europe, the soccer, all those wages are, are always public. I think it's sort of part of professional sports. Mm. But uh, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate uh, just for the segment, I guess. Please. When it comes to the, uh, the AFL, I think a lot of the, a lot of the focus is on the higher top-earning players. And that's where, yep. even in this discussion, you know, we're mentioning Buddy Franklin and those likes. Yep. But um, I think if there was any damage to be done, it would be done to the sort of 90% of players that play maybe 18 games a season. You know, they're, they're, mm. they miss a few games. Um, but then their wage, which... You know, through speculation, you probably already know, but I think they're fairly high, especially for the sort of general public. You know, you're looking at 300,000 plus for a lot of players out there that maybe a little bit of heat might be put on them from supporters or, or the media if that knowledge was, was publicly known and then 
yeah, people would put a bit, bit more heat there. Could could on the flip side of that, Roscoe, be that maybe heat would be taken off some players? Because if you do, say, like a GWS or, or like a Richmond does or um, uh, like Melbourne are looking like they're doing, if you've got your top five and, or six on, on big, big coin and then it's pretty evenly spread below and then you've got your rookies and, and your, your younger players as well, they're not on as big a lick, of course, and, and that's a different way. They, they, they sort of top end spend a lot of their money in uh, over just a few players. Like, I think I figured out that Melbourne, if the numbers are right, are spending about 33% of their salary cap on five or six players. I don't have it in front of me, but I did it the other week. You might actually take some pressure yep. off some of those players, given that you go, well, geez, that's, yep. that's not as much as I thought they'd be on. And, okay, yeah, no, fair enough. I, 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 we all the, the, the idea is that every AFL player is getting around making swag of money, uh, bags of money, but that's not really the case, as you pointed out. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think your your opposite view there is just proof that we are speculating, mm. and so and we don't know if that knowledge was public. Which yeah, you know, I think it should be. Um, yeah, we wouldn't be going both sides of the coin. It would be one way or the other. Yeah, if but there, yeah, I was just throwing out a yeah. Yep. If there was no salary cap, I, I can understand the argument to not to. But we are judging clubs on how they manage their list. It, as I said before, the list manager now for many is the second most important job behind the coach. Um, and, and I think soon it'll be the most important if we get more teams in. Um, the other side of it too is even if there wasn't a salary cap and we've got the AFL uh, giving substantial money each year to uh, to these to the clubs uh, who aren't self-sufficient and the broadcasters, about 80% of that money goes to the players as well. So when it's coming from a few different areas, then I think some transparency as well. And the AFL would already know where it's being spent. But um, I think that, those are some factors to, to take in as well. Uh, Roscoe, I appreciate you getting involved, mate. Uh, thanks, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, our good friend, Muzz, are in Geelong. G'day, Muzz. G'day. I um, want to throw a different spin on it. Please, tell me why I'm wrong, you... Muzz. I'd love you to. Well, all you media blokes, especially Mr. Corns, yep. you can state that, oh, Charlie Kernow's on 800000 but you don't speculate what your wage is for starters. And I go to the MCG or Cadinia Park to watch football. I don't go to watch what, what they're mm. getting paid. Yep. And if my club can't manage the salary cap, that's their problem. It's not my business. My business is to go to the footy, yell and scream, get rid of my anger, and have a good time. I'm not worried what the players get paid. I think. But, are, but are you worried, well, Mars, about the, the, how they manage the list, who they get in? who they don't get well, in, who has to be moved on because well, they get you, squeezed you, out? You, um, well, we didn't squeeze anyone out to bring in Chera and, and um, the bloke from Sydney. No, and the bloke pe- from people UWS. took pay cuts. Some players took pay cuts yes, for that. Yes, but, but that was their choice. Yeah. But, uh, what I'm trying to say is that, um, you know, I get a pension, but I couldn't tell you how much it is, and I shouldn't have to. And no, I don't think you should either. The media, the media shouldn't be questioning what, what Joel Selwood gets compared to um, the full forward, you know, um, oh, I've forgotten. Jeremy name Cameron or um, Tom, Tom Hawkins. Tom Hawk yep. and Cameron. That's that's their business. Like, oh, no offence, mate. No, no, I, hey, oh, that, the, the segment, Muzzer, the, the segment is called Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. So I'm glad you've told, rang up to tell me why you think I'm wrong. So is there, you know, and, given that they're members, though, you, each club has members, members put in their money, what they... They don't get a return on that investment. What they get, a financial return, they get more of an emotional 
return, but they still invest in the club. And as an investor, do they not have the right to know where the money's being spent and how it's being spent? Um, I think more, but not not on individuals' wages, but I think like um, a loss and profit sheet. Like, you know, this club started the year on $20 million and we spent $14.9 million and we've got $6.1 million as our profit. So what do you think their biggest I, I expense would be? I know what it is, and that'd be pay a payment, payment, mm. and it'd be coaches and doctors and physios and, um, you know, like I've got a mate that, that he's had both his shoulders redone um, at Footscray, and you know, two days after he got out of surgery, he's seeing a, a physio. Well, mm. I've got to wait fourteen months to even see a specialist if mm. he'll do surgery on me, you know. Um, but I just think that that we. What I'm trying to say is that, yeah. it, yes, you can find out what they get paid, good luck to you, but in my point of view, it doesn't interest me. Sure. I want to go and watch Carlton beat Geelong and maybe <laughs> play for the flag, yep. and I pay a membership every year, yep. um, even though it's only a basic 11 games, $140, but that's my donation to the club. That's yep. the way I look at it, um, you know. Um, how is young Phoebe? Has she dropped a bundle yet? No, uh, we're in, in any day. We're in the end game now. Oh, yeah. We're then, um, then you're going to be safe. you'll be sleepless nights after that. Sport. We're 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 any day now. It's sort of like oh, well, but, I feel like we've arrived at the ground, and we're just about to start yes. getting like start getting into our. Kit. No, no. What it, what <laughs> it is? You've won. You've won lotto. Right. You don't know what the prize is. No, yeah, I, I just meant in terms of the preparation for it. I feel I like know, we've arrived yes. at the ground. We're uh, just about to start our stretching. We actually really Have are in, to... starting our stretching, starting our warm-ups, and we're just waiting to be told when we can run out onto the ground. Have you got the suitcase beside the front yes, door? Yes, suitcase is packed and ready. <laughs> um, I'm an uncle by seven and a great-uncle by ten, so I've beautiful. been there and done all that. Well, um, I'm, an old I'm sure I'll be relying on you for, for some advice when I come back. Uh, when it all no, goes down, Muzz. But uh, you take care. And may the Blues beat the Cats because on Wednesday next week, if Geelong beat Carlton, I'll get so much thrown at me at work. But if it's the other way around, no one will talk to me. <laughs> uh, by the way, Muzz, the beautiful Evie's just sent a, a love heart message. Uh, she very much appreciative of your kind words, brother. We'll speak to you oh, soon. No, well, I, uh, see ya. Cheers, bloke. Bye. Uh, good friend, Muzzer in Geelong. Hey, um, we're going to come back and play a bit of uh, the chat that I had earlier with Gary Belcher after we uh, uh, spoke earlier uh, about just how phenomenal that State of Origin decider was last night. We'll do that next uh, on the Sporting Capital. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Goes to Cleary, a little chipping take. No! Ben has got the ball. He's over the halfway line. Yo's in pursuit. Hunt's turning out. Yo chasing, but Hunt's run away with it. Queensland have won the origin. Cleary, little chip over the top. Intercepted by Hunt. Ben Hunt races away. Yo Benny! He won't have the pace on Willie. Yo He's Benny! going. Yo chasing. Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt will score. There's the game for Queensland. Oh, 
Oh, wasn't it ever? Wasn't it one of the greatest origin games in history? And those are our three different NRL Nation calls. Uh, you heard Jimmy Smith and Andrew McCulloch, the cries of no, no. And then you heard Mark Braybrook and Scotty Sattler uh, sat out of his seat, cheering Ben Hunt to the line to seal it. And then Joel Kane and Mark Carroll. What a moment. Two nights ago, uh, I spoke to Scotty Sattler and, and we both pontificated and mused about the fact that this stage was set for an iconic origin moment, one that will be replayed forever, the likes of which, like Lockyer in 2006, like Talis on Hodgson, like the great moments, whether it be the Cooper Cronk uh, drop kick, you name it, those moments, this or Alfie Langer, the try over the back of his head, there was going to be a moment that was going to live on through the ages of origin. And, and I reckon we got about four of them last night, but Ben Hunt certainly to seal it. Uh, and another Suncorp decider won by Queensland. They just cannot lose there. It was an incredible game. It was a throwback game. It was one of the most destructive and awe-inspiring games that I think I've seen uh, in my time watching State of Origin. And a man who's been on the arena 16 times, uh, part of the SEN family, the Sports Day family, uh, Gary Belch has been good enough to jump on to try and make sense of it all. Badge, hello, mate. Uh, g'day, Sam. Um, not sure I can describe it any better than you can, but I can tell you I'm super, super proud as a as a Queenslander to have been there last night to watch that that performance. And I just want to add one. Like Benny Hunt, magnificent game. Uh, Kalen Ponger at the back was just outstanding. Mm. They had great players across the park. A couple of things happened that night that I just I couldn't... You know, I have to share with you that the crowd itself was absolutely phenomenal. And um, there's always talk about how the Queensland crowd can lift the team. And I was there in the 80s when we came up with the Queenslander call and I was the first bloke doing it. I was at the back yelling out Queenslander. Well, the crowd has caught on to that in the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. They were chanting at the perfect time. They lifted that side. Like I've, I've never um, never heard before. It was amazing, and you can actually because a, a rugby league ground is so much, uh, fans are so much closer to you at that ground in particular than any AFL ground. You just feel it. You feel the crowd from the moment you run on. Uh, and mate, and the other thing, Sam, was before the game, I interviewed a, a former New South Wales prominent player who basically said, "We can't, we can't, we can't lose New South, meaning New South Wales. Your best player, Cameron Munster's out." The rest of them aren't up to scratch. There's hardly a player there that would even make the Queensland team. You pick blokes that are barely first graders. Oh, he just gave it to Queensland. I, I, I said, mate, this is exactly why we're so filthy about you, mob. You just think you, you rule the world. And yeah. they do. Well, not all of them, but they do, generally. And um, They just don't think that Queensland can beat them. With, you know, they think the game is won and lost on paper. And we saw last night, definitely not the case. No, and, and a couple of years ago, they thought the same thing. I mean... Um, yeah, the, with the, the worst the, team ever. Worst team ever. Would never, you know, worst origin team ever. And, um, and, and, and on that night, the debut of young Harry Grant was something that we'll remember forever. On this night, the debut of Tommy Dearden. I mean, geez. Yeah, the blokes that played in 2020, um, Edric Lee, Branko Lee, uh, Philip Sam. There's guys that may never play origin again that had outstanding games, the game of their life. And we might even have that again. I'm not saying Tommy did and won't be there, but he's down the pecking order in the, in the, in the half and five, eight positions. Um, he certainly proved that if they ever pick him, he's, he's up to it. Mm. But when Munster's back and when young Sam Walker comes through in a couple of years' time and Daly Cherry Evans still got some life in him, Benny Hunt's a great player. 
he mightn't get a chance again, but I don't think it matters at this stage. He he would just be on cloud nine, and and he's you can imagine how proud his family is of of young Tommy, who's you know he's taken him a while to to get. He was at the Broncos for a couple of years, and they you know he's, they sort of discarded him. He ended up at the Cowboys. He was playing good footy in a good side, and all of a sudden there he is doing amazing things for for Queensland on the biggest stage. His pass to put Val Holmes through was just sublime. The short pass to to his left, um, coming with with the frontal pressure that, you know, as as we've we know that there's no such thing as a, a lack of pressure in state of origin. The, the we'll start with the first half badge. I can't remember seeing a more brutal first half. The body count high early. Murray Cobbo Collins. It, it, it was as destructive an opener and an opening to a game that that I can remember seeing. And, and and even listening to the calls and watching the calls, players who have been in that furnace were taken aback. I was, I, you know, I played in games where it used to be an all-in in the first five or ten minutes or at the first scrum, and mm. it was it was punch on and blokes just giving it to each other. But I've never seen the carnage like that, like we saw, and without fisticuffs of blokes just throwing themselves into the fray so hard they knocked themselves out or got knocked out and. Yeah, Selwyn Cobbo only lasted a couple of minutes. He was gone. And Lindsay Collins, uh, sorry, even even before that, Cam Murray, uh, then Lindsay Collins for the Maroons. So it meant, it meant for Queensland that they were down to 15 men. And it's a 13-a-side game, yes. Yep. But being able to rotate your four bench players uh, pretty regularly. And I know in AFL, what are they, how, many, how many rotations do they make? How many players come on and off now? Is it 50, 60 a game or less or more? Or, um, whereas we're allowed uh, eight and to be down to just two two players on the bench is is pretty tricky. So, though, yeah, it meant they had to be pretty brave in that or very brave in that second half. Uh, so when it was when they got the second, um, I thought, oh, they they are looking. I mean, Queensland were the better side for the first half of the first half, and then I thought New South Wales got got on top. And when Saifedian wasn't his it wasn't his debut, something special. His first carry. Yeah. Oh, that, that was as impressive a first carry as I can remember seeing. I thought, oh, they, they seemed and, – and Tedesco was just everywhere and getting his nose through at every opportunity. I thought, oh, this, this isn't looking good. But, but when Capewell got over just before the half, I thought, oh, something spe- – I felt like something special was about to take place. Even though Val Holmes missed the conversion, did, did you feel that that, that, try, that just needed to get that try to, to – to make sure that they, they felt like they were still in touch. Oh, yeah. And, and the timing of putting Harry Grant on as the, as the uh, at, at dummy half and yeah. slotting Benny Hunt back into lot. I think that was perfect it was because Harry Grant, the Melbourne Storm player, is one of the, um, the real talents in our game. And he's, he causes them all sorts of trouble whenever he's on the field. And he, a little bit of a pirouette at dummy half there and, and uh, put that kick through for Capewell. He was really making things happen. You know, I'm, I thought at the time... Um, I didn't mind him missing the kick because it meant Queensland were going to keep chasing mm. uh, points and, and trying to, you know, desperately to get to the other end of the park as opposed to maybe trying to defend, a, you know, a, an even scoreline. And it just, it just kept Queensland on, on point, you know. They were so, so desperate in the second half. Um, yep. And I don't know exactly what was said at half time. And I know Billy, you know, alluded to the fact that it was going to take a, a pretty special performance. But... Mm. Um, yeah, they, whatever they said to them at half time, this coaching staff, they got it just right. 
Gary Belcher, who I caught up with a little early this afternoon. That's only halfway through that chat, and we haven't even got to the second half, which was um, will go down as one of the greatest second halves from a Queensland point of view. But just the game itself was phenomenal. And New South Wales, they defended so stoically, but they kept making mistakes in offense. Queensland kept getting tries, disallowed. And then finally, um, Kalen Ponga, who we talk about in the rest of that chat. It'll be up on sen.com.au on the Sporting Capital page. He gets his first origin try. And then the Val Holmes moment, the desperate dive over touch to keep the ball in play and keep it alive. And then Ben Hunt, an iconic moment that will live on forever. And so too will that win. So, oh yeah, it had everything. Uh, sen.com.au to hear the rest of the chat. By the way, Cameron Young through 15 is still a three-shot leader and day one of the Open Championship. Rory McIlroy is four under through nine. Cameron Smith four under through 17 as well. Ernie Els four under through 11. And what about John Daly playing with Bryson DeChambeau, the original master blaster and now the big bomber in Bryson. Hey, thanks so much for the night. Enjoy your footy weekend. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.